0: From the Medical Republic, I'm Wendy John, this is The Tea Room. From Parliament House to Corporate Australia to small businesses, bullying is being revealed as a social epidemic in all workplaces, and healthcare is no exception. Today we meet Dr Sky Kinder, a psychiatry registrar who has been named on the Victorian Honour Roll of Women for 2021. Dr Kinder has been also featured on the Australian Financial Review 100 Women of Influence list and was named as one of Forbes 30 Under 30. But above all, Skye Kinder is a doctor and having trained and worked in a variety of healthcare locations, Dr Kinder is sharing her perspective on the insidious and subtle ways doctors bully and are bullied in the medical practice. How important is creating a psychologically safe workplace?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's absolutely the most important thing that we do. Uh, it would be my my honest feelings about it. You know, I uh, just can't see how we can ever provide good health care if we don't have psychological safety for staff. You know, in public hospitals, we're obviously teaching... Uh, junior staff member. I, as a registrar, am also being taught. Um, you know, it's, it's this stepwise progression that we all go through in our careers. And if you do not feel safe to escalate concerns, to ask questions, um, to be able to learn because you're so worried about uh, what people are going to say to you, how they're going to respond to you, then, you know, at the end of the day, the person, uh, you know, apart from the, the junior doctor, for example, and I will acknowledge as well that senior doctors uh, also um, subjected to bullying and harassment, but just speaking from my experience as a, a junior doctor, apart from it being terrible for the junior doctor, you know, it's terrible for the patient. Uh, you know, if, if you don't feel comfortable to ask questions, then it's actually the patient
0: who misses out on the best possible care. So you're talking about feeling uncomfortable asking questions. That makes me think that a lot of the experiences that you have heard of or seen or experienced relate to being made to feel inadequate because you don't know the answer.
1: I I think that that would be accurate, yeah. You know, I've certainly um, had the privilege of working at, uh, you know, a number of uh, services by virtue of rotating uh, through training as we all do. And uh, unfortunately, as part of some of those experiences, there you know have been um, incidences of bullying that I that I've certainly gone through, and I know that that is extremely common. And I suspect, actually, if you were to get any junior doctor to do this uh, podcast, I'm not sure that there would be many who wouldn't you know share that experience. Unfortunately, and and I suspect all of us would be saying the same thing. And often it is around um this uh perceived um you know inadequacy that that you are made to feel about yourself you know not being smart enough good enough hardworking enough um you know being concerned about people nitpicking all of the ways that you aren't uh this perfect doctor uh you know that that the bullies make us feel like we should be which is of course impossible to be
0: so what do you think is going on for the doctors who are acting in this way.
1: I mean, I guess it's hard to speculate, right? Because um, you know, as human beings, we are all uh interesting, complex people in our in our own right. You know, I imagine that there are differences for everyone in in what leads them to, you know, engage in these sorts of behaviors. You know, we talk a lot about modeling though. You know, lots of people have had these experiences themselves and then go on to sort of reperpetrate this behavior when they're in positions of power and and part of that has been through the modelling where they've been taught that this is the, you know, appropriate or at least acceptable way to engage with other people. Um, and it can be very difficult to call that out. Um, but, you know, I imagine there's a lot of, uh, as you say, projection of uh, one's own insecurities uh, around what it means to be a doctor and and Um, you know, the sorts of standards that we're all trying to live up to in our own minds, I suppose.
0: Why is this only whispered of in the corridors rather than being looked at front on?
1: Mm. In many ways, we are still a very hierarchical profession. And there are clear power structures that exist within our hospitals, particularly our public hospitals. And, And there are lots of people doing really great work to try and flatten those hierarchies. But all the same, uh, you know, the the power differentials remain. And when you are, for example, junior and you are attempting to raise concerns about bad behaviour in someone that's more senior than you, you know, you are extremely vulnerable in lots of ways. You're you know you can be at risk of having your training jeopardized for example you know because sometimes the people who are bullying you are quite literally the people who sign off your rotation and say that you get to to pass the term and and have the time accredited you know that's a real problem how do you navigate that uh, as the most vulnerable person in that situation and and still i think in our in our hospitals we haven't really grappled with with how we empower people in those positions to to navigate those situations we we put a lot of the onus on the person who's actually being bullied and and is the most junior and is the most vulnerable still so what needs to be done that's a great question and to be honest i mean i think the first step is we all just need to look at our own behavior to be honest you know we all actually need to take a step back and hold ourselves accountable for what we do or don't do every day you know none of us are perfect and it's not to say that um you know so certainly there are people out there who are engaging in bad behaviour who I think arguably we could all say are probably, you know, quote unquote bad people. But, you know, there are lots of people who aren't by any means evil, uh, you know, or, or, or trying to be, um, you know, difficult, um, but, but, but are. At the end of the day, they are, um, and you know, it's about stepping back and, and actually reflecting on the ways that they're interacting with the world around them, that we're interacting, that I'm interacting, all of us are interacting with the people around us. You know, I, I um, do a lot of work with medical students, and the common uh, you know, trope that comes up is the, the doctors who never bother to learn the medical student's name see the medical student standing awkwardly at the back of the handover room, clearly uncomfortable, don't know what they're doing and, you know, the, the doctor who never introduces themself. Um, and, you know, the medical students are sort of almost conditioned to say, oh, well, you know, it's okay, I understand, you know, the doctors are really busy. But as I always say to them, you know, how much time does it actually take for somebody to walk up to you and say, hi, I'm Sky, I'm the reg on the team, do you know where you're supposed to be today? Do you need me to point you in the direction of, you know, where you're supposed to be going or, you know, introduce you to the reg that you're supposed to be with. It takes, you know, all of about 10, 20 seconds. Um, so it's not really that time consuming uh, and it makes a big difference to the people around us. You know, simple simple gestures like just bothering to introduce yourself to somebody um, makes a makes a big difference to that person's day. So, you know, taking a step back and just looking at all the little things that we do or can do or aren't doing that make a difference, I think would be a really good first step.
0: So it's interesting that this seems to be really embedded in some sort of a culture that is passed on as young doctors come through the system and then they start to embody that culture.
1: Yes, I I absolutely, you know, um, uh, say to, to my med students all the time, you know, I, I've had so many med students who tell me when I graduate and I become an intern, I'm gonna make sure that I introduce myself to, to all of the med students on our team. Um, and and yet we, we do see, you know, a number of people who who go on to to not do that because it's not the norm in their team. You know, the registrar doesn't do it, the consultant doesn't do it. Uh, and so they sort of get pulled in, as you say, to this culture of, of not doing those things, even though when they were a student, you know, they would, they would swear black and blue that they were always going to remember how they felt, you know, being that med student at the back of the room.
0: like the experiences that you are talking about that you've either observed or other people have spoken to you about at length relate largely to this notion of uh, bullying and harassment by virtue of powerful position and diminishing the other person by not acknowledging them but not not looking at them by making them feel maybe stupid or inadequate for not having the right questions or not knowing the answers.
1: Yes I, I think that that is a a reasonable summary um to my mind of of you know the experiences that i've had and and the experiences that i'm aware of um from you know other junior doctors registrars medical students and so forth it's a, um it's quite an insidious um it is quite an insidious culture that is very easily internalized because it's it's that sort of gaslighting almost where you know initially when some of these things are happening and certainly this was one particular experience where in the early stages of of the bullying that i experienced um it, you actually just doubt yourself. You just think, well, actually, maybe, you know, maybe I'm not as clinically competent as, as I need to be. And, you know, maybe maybe this person's right, you know, and, and actually it's just me and I just need to, to learn more and to be better. Uh, and I think that's what makes it so difficult is you just don't realise what's happening until you know you're quite deep into it it's it's the um the frog in the pot of the boiling water right you know the frog when you first put it in the water it doesn't realize that it's going to be boiled alive it's and by the time it realizes that the water around it's boiling it's it's already too late to get out of the pot uh it's that sort of a process and and i think that's what makes it really toxic um because it's, it, it really centres itself around this gaslighting of, of our own insecurities and our own inadequacies, uh, of which we all, I think it would be fair to say, in the medical profession have many because, this, you know, the, the ideal of being the perfect doctor, you know, which is un, uh, unachievable, um, you know, is, is there in our minds for all of us. We all want to be the best doctor that we can. I don't think anyone comes to work wanting to be an average doctor. We all want to be excellent.
0: What I hear you saying is that these sort of behaviours make someone doubt themselves. It occurs to me then that maybe those feelings of inferiority and inadequacy don't go away but actually stay with someone throughout their profession such that when they are in a position of power, the one they, the way that they can assert their superiority is by making someone else feel small.
1: I suspect so I suspect so you know I had a consultant when I was a student who by the way was a a fabulous consultant not a bully at all um, who said to me uh, you know and he said to many people to try and normalize it that you know he still struggles with imposter syndrome now this consultant to this day is still one of the best consultants that I think I might have ever met in terms of clinical knowledge in terms of you know, engagement with junior staff. You know, they're the sort of person where if you had a family member who was unwell, you know, you would 100% want this this guy to to be their treating clinician because they were just so excellent. And, and when he said to me, I remember when he said to me as a student, we were talking about imposter syndrome as students, um, Uh, And and as students, you know, people are are much more um, open, I think, uh, about this this topic of imposter syndrome. And as we get a little bit more senior, we seem to stop talking about it, or at least that's been my experience. You know, when he came out and said, you know, I still have imposter syndrome, I'm still getting up every day and waiting for someone to realise that I'm not actually supposed to be here. You know, it was just this mind blowing moment for me to think that you are amazing. Like, how do you not know (laughs) that you're a phenomenal doctor? you know, and, and I've, I've continued, I you know, I've brought it up today because I continue to think about that um, all the time actually and I share that with my students a lot because, I, you know, I don't think that that feeling goes away. I, I don't fully understand why it is something that we carry with us, uh, you know, so, so much in medicine as opposed to other professions where it's not quite as prevalent but, you know, it really is something that that we just have to manage throughout, uh, you know, seemingly the duration of our
0: careers. If there's a culture of making people feel inadequate and smaller than they are in their training, what impact would that have on the imposter syndrome?
1: Well, it's certainly, um, I, I think from my experience, it, it it really can heighten that imposter syndrome. And, uh, you know, it. It's really tough in medicine to, uh, you, you know, you mentioned the term before good enough and it's really tough in medicine, I think, to accept that being good enough is good enough. You know, we in psychiatry uh, talk about the good enough parent um, as a sort of psychodynamic uh, concept. You know, you don't have to be a, an excellent parent, you just have to be good enough. That's, that's all that's required for you know, childhood development. I cling to that one a lot myself. (laughs) We we really struggle. We really struggle with that concept, I think, when we apply it to ourselves as doctors. You know, being good enough as a doctor um, uh, just doesn't feel good enough. And, uh, And so, you know, these inadequacies play on this imposter syndrome, and I guess it's all a cycle, right? We're just stuck in this perpetual loop.
0: We're talking about how bullying and harassment in medical profession often happening to younger early career doctors, those people who are in training, it looks a lot like ignoring people, making them feel inadequate by not giving them attention or responding to their questions with uh, sarcasm or not looking, you know, making them feel silly in general. And then you've got the imposter Mm. syndrome as a baseline within that as well. And then you've got people who are coming up the ranks and then acting in the same way which perpetuates this yes imposter syndrome it's it's very complex you know it's it's very complex
1: but you know again and I said it before I, I really think the first step is just that we all take a step back and we just look at what our piece of the puzzle is but, you know one of the things that I, I really hate when people talk about the system the system is broken or the system leads to bullying or what have you because you know, in, in medicine in particular, you know, we we as the clinicians, as the doctors, we are the system. The the system is made up of us. There's there's not really a level of external regulation preventing us from being able to make changes if if we want to make changes. Sure, you know, financial constraints, um, you know, all of these sorts of things, you know, we all live in the real world, but at the end of the day, as doctors, we are the system you know we we do actually have a lot of power you know and we've talked about power a few times already but we do actually have a lot of power to to change the way that the quote unquote system functions if we choose to and it's i think about all of us looking at the power that we do have and and we all have some level of power, even if you're the intern, well you still have more power than the medical student. and if you're the registrar, will you have a lot more power than you know the resident and the intern and the medical student and, and so on and so forth. And we can all do our little bit. You shouldn't have to, if you're the most junior person in the room. I absolutely think that you know a lot of this needs to be top-down change that needs to be led by our more senior colleagues. But in the absence of that, there are still things that we can change because we are the system that we often complain about.
0: That was Dr Sky Kinder. You've been listening to The Tea Room. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can search for us on your favourite podcast player and subscribe. Leave us a review if you like. And if you've got any news, tips or just want to chat, you can email me at wendy at medicalrepublic.com.au. The Tea Room is a production from the journalists at The Medical Republic. Visit medicalrepublic.com.au to keep up to date with all the latest news and views in general practice. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to our newsletters. We love to keep you informed. Thanks for tuning in.